Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and in this episode, I chat with Teo Roxen. Teo is a third culture kid, TCK, as he, as he explains, and he chats about how he uses his difference to make a difference. Teo comes from Nigeria, but has spent time in many continents and countries. We chat about his faith and his experiences and honestly, his near-death experiences as well, and how that has powered him um, to be an individual and, and, and really use um, his potential and his gifts. I'm excited to get into this interview and know that you all will enjoy it as well. Tune in. Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I am joined with Tayo Roxon. Tayo, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing, Tyo? I'm doing awesome. I'm doing awesome. Thank, uh, thanks so much for joining me today. I appreciate it. Pleasure is mine. Pleasure is mine. I'm excited. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it, it's funny. I, I am always uh, normally tune into your podcast, but but now it seems like um, it's it's kind of changing, and, and now it's 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 less you asking questions, and, and now I guess me asking a few more questions. So the uh, the it's it's definitely a change of pace for you. No, no, no I mean I, I love it, and congrats on this. I, I love the concept, and I'm pretty excited. Also, people often confuse my name for your name. When you don't say Tayo, they are like Tyler, because every time I say I'm Tyler, they think I'm saying Tyler. Tyler here, so I don't know. Someone might be thinking we're two Tylers here, but so no. absolutely. <laughs> I'm excited to I think this is good. I think um, uh, definitely a lot of men need to hear a lot of the you know podcasts like yours. So absolutely. pretty excited to see where this goes. Awesome, thanks so much. Um, so how I normally kick us off is by opening up in prayer. Um, so I can I can lead I can uh, kick us off, and then at the end of the show, I'm going to ask you to to close us out. Awesome. Let's do it. Awesome. Dear Lord, thanks so much for bringing me and, and uh, Teo together today. I'm incredibly grateful and, and, and blessed to have this opportunity to chat with him um, and talk about some real stuff, um, you know, what he's been doing and, you know, and the work that you've been, that you've been um, putting, putting in him and, you know, just and, and putting in both of us. I'm in, incredibly grateful and excited to see where this goes. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Awesome. So, you know, I, I think the, the audience I have, I, I don't know if a lot of people know who you are. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give you a, a, a bit of my elevator pitch for you. Um, let, let me know how this goes. Um, it, it could be off, but I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. All right, Teos is a global leader, entrepreneur, and change maker striving to make the world a better place. In the digital age where people need to communicate across culture, Teo shares with you how to use your difference to make a difference. Um, hopefully that's a decent try. Um, with, is, that, is that pretty accurate for how, we, how, how you would describe yourself? Yeah, no, you did well, you did well. I mean, thanks, uh, thanks for introducing me. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, that was good, that was good. Awesome. Um, so with, with that being said, can you just um, give me a, a brief um, introduction to uh, to yourself and your and more so your background. Sure, sure. So, um, 
Obviously, yeah, named Ty Roxon, and I, I like to describe myself as a, as a walking contradiction. I'm a, and the reason is I'm a, I'm a Nigerian who grew up in, in five countries and four continents. So everywhere I went, I was always the minority. Uh, and you know, pretty early on, I discovered that being the minority everywhere didn't always have to be a bad thing. It actually could be a good thing. And what, what I started to really develop as, as a kid was um, you know, the idea of cultural competency, how to connect across cultures, how to make sure that, that people felt um, confident being who they are. And so, you know, I, I, I started to really, really study two of my mentors from afar. I've never met them, but the late Nelson Mandela mm-hmm. and, and Oprah Winfrey. And, you know, I became obsessed with creating a platform for people to really be who they are and also um, uh, be the change makers that they can be. And with Nelson Mandela, I really wanted to be able to fight for something, which is equality, and, and um, provide opportunities for the underrepresented. And so, you know, fast forward to you know, 2014, and what I do now is I, you know, I launched a podcast, which allowed me to highlight other people in different parts of the world and show show them what exactly it is that they can do to make a difference. And then I started working with companies to to educate them on what it's like to to uh, create diverse and inclusive environments. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, so now I describe myself as a culture translator and a brand strategist. Uh, so a culture translator helping companies and individuals connect across cultures and a brand strategist helping change makers develop the messages and tell the story so that they can make the impact that they deserve, uh, that they want to make rather. There you go. Awesome, well, well thanks so much. Um, um, one thing I want to ask you on is, you know, as, as you started back in 2014, you were you were focusing just on individual stories and connecting, you know, at a personal level, one on one, and then you decided to 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 change and, and and you know and do these speaking events, um, and you know I guess for for the, for the most part it sounds like uh, some corporate settings, um, yeah. Kind of what what uh, turned that turned that switch for you and 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 uh, made you decide that you know what I think. I think there's a lot of people who can who can value this this type of conversation, but just kind of from a different angle and a different perspective um, to a larger audience. Sure, sure. I mean, I, I, you know, the thing that's uh, I guess that needs a little bit of context. So, in 2011, when I graduated from college, I you know I I guess when I was 10 years old, I've always wanted to make an impact in the world, make a dent. But when I graduated in 2011, after applying to over 85 jobs, they all said yep. no. Right, mm-hmm. and I, here I am, a foreigner in this country. And mm-hmm. applying to over 85 jobs, and the only way I can legally stay here is to, you know, to find a company to sponsor me. So, mm-hmm. you know, in a frantic search to, to sort of figure that out, um, I reached out to several companies, and one of the companies that I interned for before decided to take a gamble on me. So I was pretty excited when they said yes, and I, and I remember thinking I was going there to do social media, but they told me that, hey, nope, it sells. You're gonna have to make a quota of ten thousand dollars a month. And so. Yeah. Right off the bat, it wasn't what I expected, but um, at the same time, I felt like I couldn't complain because I finally had a visa. And so for for those for the next two years, I just continued to work on that, and really, I felt myself, I felt like I was losing a piece of myself every day, and I, it, was, mm-hmm. it was a conflict because I thought, well, I have a visa, so I can't complain, but at the same time, I knew this wasn't even remotely what I wanted to do. And so... One day I was driving to this place of work, and then all of a sudden, as you know, as I get on the highway, my car, or my lane gets cut into half, and and then I, I'm swerving out the way so I don't get hit. But in the process, I smash into the left guardrail, and then the right guardrail, and then one car, and then two cars, mm-hmm. and then back to the left guardrail, and then the car lifts up, 
and it's, it's about to flip over the bridge. And at this moment, I'm 22 years old, and I decide, and I, I only have one question. You know, and that question that comes to mind is, have you done everything that you said you were going to do, Tyler? Yeah. And obviously, I hadn't. And, and for some reason, I guess instinct kicked in. So I, 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 sm- <laughs> I slammed my brakes and, and, and somehow managed to get out of the car. So there I was in the middle of the road, in front of all the debris. My car completely totaled, and two cars hit. Um, and um, for some reason, I, you know, I was alive, and I always say, you know, God kept me alive for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't have to go to the hospital or anything, so I, I um, decided then and there I was going to move to New York City because that was the only city that I, I felt alive in and sort of figure out what my dreams were. So I came here for my MBA, and in the process, I wanted to make New York City my campus. And every day, or almost every week, I would go to different events to sort of figure out what it was that I was I was good at. I knew I loved telling stories, and I and I knew that um, I had a unique background, but I just didn't know that people would care about it. And so after attending an Huffington event, uh, where she was talking about her story and, and, and uh, everything that she did, for some reason, I got the idea that I, I should launch a podcast based on my experience as um, what you call a third culture kid. Mm-hmm. Now, a third culture kid is anyone who spent the formative periods of their lives outside of their parents' culture. So, diplomatic kids, missionary kids, people that essentially, you know, they travel a lot. And um, up until that point, I was always intimidated by the idea of telling my story because I thought no one cared. Yeah. And I also felt like everybody else always had 20 years' experience or something. And so I said to myself, well, Tyler, you have 20 years of experience being you. <laughs> yes. And, and you, You've also traveled a lot. Not everybody might have said they travel. So you, why don't you talk about that story? So my podcast was that was launched on the premise um, of you know that we live in a global and digital world, yet not many people act global and digital. So I, I became obsessed with really showing people what it was like to live in a truly global world. And so I invited. Uh, I remember going on Twitter and doing hashtag Third Culture Kid, hashtag TCK. That's the acronym. Yes. And everyone that identified with that. Basically, I would reach out to them and say, hey, I'm a monster the podcast. I want to tell you a story. You know, not a lot of people know enough about what it's like to embrace a global identity. And to my surprise, you contrast this with the 85 plus job rejections. I got almost 80, almost 80 yeses. I was like, wow, people really, <laughs> they said yes to me. Yes. And, yeah. so, uh, uh, and so, you know, so I would do like what we do. We'll get on Skype, record it. And I just, um, and then I just started to launch it. You know, I'll go to school, and then for some reason it picked up. Uh, I remember, you know, around November I was going to sleep one time, and somebody sent me a message saying congratulations. And I looked at, I was like, wait, I don't have a kid. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they said, uh, well, you're the number two business podcast in 2014, Entrepreneur Magazine. And then I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Um, and he sent me the link. And, um, and I guess what they, first of all, I didn't think it was a business podcast I was promoting, but a lot of people felt like I, the, the stories that we hear on the podcast was, was an insight into what it was like to truly connect across cultures. And so from then on, I started to realize that, yeah, I thought I was just focusing on just culture, but many people were thinking, wow, we do live in a globalized time. And this has given me an idea of how to really do business with people from different backgrounds. And so it started to, to, to become culture, then business, and then 2004, uh, 2016 happened with all the, the shootings and the and the uh, Brexit and everything, and people who would have been listening to my podcast started to reach out to say, hey, would it it'd be cool, because I, I hear a lot of people in your podcast talk about their backgrounds and connecting across cultures. I hear you talk about how you, you've grown up and what you've learned from a business culture aspect. 
do you think it would be cool if you could come speak at this and talk about the best way to, to, to build cultural competency? Do you think it'd be cool to do that at a school? Do you think it'd be cool to do that at an organization? And then a light bulb went off in my head where I was like, well, obviously, people spend most of their lives in the workplace, and people are, are trying to figure out how to connect across cultures, and we still have a huge diversity problem. Why don't I use what I've learned and as, as essentially being this connector of, of cultures since I was a kid, and just go into these environments and show them like, hey, we can create inclusive environments now, this is how you do that. And yeah, I mean, and, and it happened. And this is something that I hope a lot of listeners are, are thinking about. When I first moved to New York City, I didn't know what my career would be. I just knew that I needed to leave that environment to go into an environment I felt inspired. And when mm-hmm. I was in an environment I felt inspired, I knew I should just do what I love doing, which is telling stories and helping people um, connect across cultures. And then I stayed consistent with that throughout the tough times, and that for some reason led to some timing where the whole world felt like they needed to, to understand each other. And for some reason, because I've been consistent for two years prior to that, people felt I was an authority on that, and it just opened the doors to, to me speaking in organizations and, and all that. So, um, yeah, I always tell people to, to go into what they're doing, and, uh, and, you know, and, and God is always looking out. So, yeah, that's the story. Wow, awesome. Um, a, a few things that, that stuck out to me is, so... Um, when your friend first sent you sent you a link, I, I I'm I'm surprised that Entrepreneur Magazine didn't didn't reach out to you directly. Is that is that something that, that happened you know, later on, or how did that look? It has happened to me for a couple times. Did the same friend send me another list at, at Inc. or something? But it's I, I guess the online division is different from the print okay. print version. So I'm, I'm I'm guessing with the online division, they have a lot of, of contributors and, and writers and stuff. So yes. It's not a formalized process, so but yeah, I mean, I, I would have thought that Twitter, <laughs> but I, I was just humbled. Oh, absolutely, but, absolutely. Uh, man, it's happened to me, it happened to me a couple times, and I, That's I refer funny. to this guy as my uh, my my pod godfather, <laughs> <laughs> my fairy fairy pod father. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm surprised. But uh, yeah, they, I don't know, I don't know what the process. I guess there's some autonomy that contributors have online. It's different footprint, so yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and then and then another thing, um, I I I also found it funny how you reached out to you know eighty five plus uh, corporations, you know businesses, just kind of asking for a shot, asking for a chance, um, yeah. and then you know rejection, rejection, um, and then you know I I had a similar story. I was when I was um, a- after I graduated college. I was looking to continue playing soccer. Soccer was something that was a huge part of my life and a big passion. So. I, I went to the the uh, FIFA agency list and I, I, I looked at all the agents in New England. I'm from Massachusetts, and I said, "All right, well, you know, I've been told that you, you have to find an agent. This is you know the best way to go. Kind of similar to, to finding a job, you have to reach out directly to the employers." Um, and I reached out to a, you know email call to over 200 agents, and I you know no 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 maybe, but then ended up obviously being no. Um, yeah. And then, and then it's crazy, you know. Even now, starting this podcast, it was something where if you want to, you know, tell your story, and then also bring people in and, and have them tell their stories, it I don't know, it's something that it just like kind of clicked for me, and it was like, wow, it it, it took you know two hundred phone calls to FIFA agents, but then one one phone call to you know a really good friend who was bought into the idea, um, and then all of a sudden it just clicked and started from there. Um, so I, I just I kind of find that funny is sometimes when you when you end up 
you know, striving or reaching for something um, that kind of is, that might seem out of your control or, you know, a long shot, um, a, a lot of times the answer is right in front of you. Absolutely. Um, and a lot of times the answer is, is, is within us. I mean, I yeah. think um, your story of reaching out to those, to those agents is, is one that, that many people can definitely identify with is sometimes we, we want to do something, we have a shot, we try it, and then we think we've tried enough. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes we just haven't um, actually tried in the right avenue. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, we've, we failed, but we should sort of try and see what lessons we can learn from that. And um, and to your credit, obviously, you were able to connect that to, to the stories that you want to tell. I and mean, guys like us is something that, that a lot of people don't talk about. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I focus a lot, a lot of my, my mission statement is usually difference to make a difference, but a big part of what I, I like to do um, you know, what I'm not saying, what I'm not, you know, consulting or anything is I'm saying us men need to redefine masculinity. And I, I think what you're doing right now with this podcast is, is that where there's a, obviously a big need for guys, us in general, to, mm-hmm. to understand that we can be much better and um, they need more role models. And you're, you're just doing that. And I, I think that's that's an interesting market that you tapped into. But it's also the timing is working out because have interesting people who are like well what's the best way to be a man mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yep. uh, yeah so the time is right and it worked out I and mean, it might not have been soccer but you can still watch soccer on tv and still talk about it with the best of them yeah absolutely. Well, well first of all thank you i'm you know I'm, I'm very humbled as well even just hearing that you know from from you and from other people it's uh, as I'm sure you know, it's just it's an it's an honor, and just so so thankful that of, of everything that's happened. And you're right. There's I, I don't think there's um, you know there there's not as many communities, and there's not as many people addressing um, challenges and or even you know the right way to uh, to approach it, or even a way to approach it, um, and start and start to question and, and and talk with people about about their faith and. Uh, you know, as I as, as I've launched the guys like us, you know, now we have a podcast, but we've also now branched into journal entries too. So there's a team of uh, a, a group of us who are who are submitting out journal entries um, based on different topics, kind of you know these 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 scalable um, just um, headlines that, that 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 people can speak to and and offer offer different takes, different perspectives um, on each one. So it's it's really cool to see. Um, you know, and, and speaking on you know using your difference, how people can can bring in different perspectives um, and different takes to ultimately you know convey convey a message and just share share their story, which you know I believe is ultimately Jesus's story, is you know because he's he's working through all of us. Um, so I, one thing I want to I want to mention is I, you mentioned that you're from Nigeria, or, you know you have a Nigeria Nigerian background. Um, and I know that that country is is quite split between Christian Christianity and Islam, and yeah. you know I, I think we we see these divisions in all over the world. And you know, just speaking on this one in particular, um, it sounds like when we don't embrace these divisions, there 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 becomes divisions. Um, so how you know how have you been able to to stay focused on on your gifts and and God's plan for you in the midst of these divisions and and start to bridge that gap. Absolutely. I mean, so for context, um, anyone listening, Nigeria is a, is a country that's colonized by England. So we got our independence in 1960, and a lot of that we, you know, with a lot of colonial countries, you sort of pick on some of the religions that they, they, your, you know, colonial masters normally had. So there's a 50 percent 
uh, Muslim population and about a 40-something percent Christian population. So it's it's pretty, pretty, almost split down the middle. I mean, Nigeria is the pop, most populous black nation in the world. There's mm-hmm. over 180 million people in, in there. So, um, and then the Romanians, I believe, is like, you know, traditional religions and all that kind of stuff. So where I'm from in the Southwest and in the South, a lot of people, a lot of Christians and Muslims coexist. I mean, it's not uncommon for you to have Muslim classmates or I mean my grandma on my dad's side is actually Muslim but everybody else in my family is Christian mm-hmm. uh, but however in the north um, there's some regions that, that do have um, extremist areas and they call, they're called Boko Haram which literally translates into western education is sin and that's uh, you know that's the version of Hamas or uh, um, Al-Qaeda and all that mm-hmm. uh, and up there you know, their idea is to, to make sure they eliminate anything with western influence and you know um and all that, but I've noticed something I've noticed with um, division and just growing up the way I did in the region I did, there wasn't conflict with Muslims or Christians. Actually, we could coexist, and we had a lot of people. A lot of, like I said, when a lot of my friends were were Muslims, and what that allowed me to do is, as a kid, was I basically was able to see them as people. I mean, I, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't going into in any environment with that thinking oh my religion is better than your religion uh, you know as a Christian I think a lot of what we're taught is to, to, to welcome everyone to, to to not ostracize people and to go into unfamiliar environments mm-hmm. and so I, I very much did that um, and and also as, as a kid the first nine years of my life was spent in military dictatorship and so for some reason that implanted in me the idea that I needed to make sure that People weren't ostracized based on what they believed and what they what they look like. Because if your first experience with leadership is seeing people um, killed or, or beaten up for what they believe in and who they support, um, it sort of leaves an imprint in you. So, you know, when I when I started to travel around to move to different countries, I I I don't know if it's I don't know why it's just me yeah, or not a lot of people. I just felt like my calling was to use my experiences to really show that, yes, as a Christian, I want to be the salt and light of the earth, but my salt and light of the earth shouldn't be something where I, I'm making someone feel bad about who they are. Uh, and, and having grown up in an environment where it was, uh, was Islam and Christianity, and having grown up in countries where people are different backgrounds, I, I don't know, I, I think I, I, God has an interesting way of putting people in different positions. I think he just made me sort of go through all this discomfort that I went through through puberty um, so that I could basically be relatable to many people and talk about you know what it's like to do that I mean I, we could talk about all the downs that I've had whether it's it's um, 85 job rejections whether it's near-death experience whether it's getting fired twice whether it's mm-hmm. it's um, you know seeing my dad get shot uh, you know whether, whether it's it, it's being in that military you know, each of those positions have put me in a place where, yes, they've been there, there's some hardship, but the, at the fact that I'm still standing and able to tell those stories and not have a negative view of the, the people that put me in those positions, um, I think it's, it's, a, it's one that not a lot of people should share today. I think a lot of people feel like if something that happens to them, they immediately um, don't look behind uh, the wall uh, and see that maybe it is the environment that that's been created. And so, for me, when I've I've seen environments with with um, Muslim and Is, Islam conflict, I've looked beyond that and sort of seen the environment. You know, who are the leaders there? 
and what are the leaders teaching the youth and how are they um, perpetuating certain stereotypes and uh, certain ideas and I hope that what I'm doing and what I'm empowering others to do is to, is to um, fight against systems like that and, and cause individual agents to think about themselves and what it is that they feel like they can do as opposed to what a system tells them that they can do. Um, and so, yeah, it's a long battle, uh, but, you know, a lot of Nigerians, especially who grew up in the Southwest and Southeast, where, where I am, will tell you that it's very possible to coexist, but it, it, the North is a little different. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, no, so, so something that uh, I, I just want to ask you is, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people say that you're, you're a product of your environment, you're a product of your environment. Um, and I, I don't know, I think for me, that was something that was so, that's been so frustrating and so challenging. Um, because at least in my opinion, you know, I believe that your, your past experiences definitely, um, give you, give you some light and give you some, um, at least exposure into, into different parts of the world, different parts of your, you know, of your identity and, and who you are. Um, but that, that ultimately, you know, doesn't define who you are and, and rather, you know, you can right. use, use these experience to, 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 to show, um, and, you know, and help others, um, to, you know, to, to cope and to even just kind of comprehend what's been going on in their life. Um, but I want to know what, what your, what your take was on that, you know, if, if someone were to say to you, you know, that you're a product of your, your environment. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very frustrating thing because, yeah, I mean, if, if you look at the world, a lot of people, if you're a kid in very impression when you've been told that this is how you should be, this is how you should be, this is how you should treat women, this is how things are, you sort of don't know any better. And, and that's because of a lack of exposure to other things. And that's because of what you're, you're, you're taught by your immediate uh, leaders. And while it's frustrating, I, what I think, you know, people that are chain breakers need to focus on it is, is while having that level of understanding that yes, it might be frustrating for you to comprehend because you've been exposed to different things and different opportunities. A lot of the people in these environments that you're trying to change might not have been exposed to that. So trying to just instantly change their mind is not going to work. It's actually mm-hmm. going to frustrate them. What we need to work on is, is changing the systems that put those ideas in people um, and, and combating that. And and I, you know, I. It, I share your frustration with that, but I also am at the same time um, inspired to continue to work, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because I feel like this is a goal that's much bigger than me and that I need to grow into the person that can achieve that goal. And for me to grow into the person that achieved that goal, I need to I need to be able to deal with whatever the difficult circumstances. Let's look at Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela mm-hmm. spent 27 years in jail. I'm 27 years old right now. I'm sure when, <laughs> when he was... Um, fighting for his idea and fighting for what he believed in, initially he was very militant. You know, he's like, nah, I'm just going to go set up bombs and, and do these things because obviously they think of us as animals. We have to have a, a freaking card to, to, to show that we are black, we're colored, we're, mm-hmm. we're white. And then, you know, he got put in jail for, you know, sabotage. And then when he came out, he, he didn't lose sight of the goal, but he understood that there was a different level of how he needed to, to connect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and the, the remarkable thing was he didn't come out with the bitterness where he was trying to ostracize white people. He said, fine, we have to work together to put a, a government in place. And that wasn't a popular thing because a lot of black people felt like maybe he was, I don't know, go, going, he was now being brainwashed. But what he had seen was, okay, I've been fighting for this and in prison I've learned about other ideas in the world because I've learned and I've built a following there. There are other methods to do this. Let's 
work with people that are all involved in, in the country and change the whole system. Let's break down this, this idea of, of hierarchy and let's try and provide more opportunities for that. And so I often use Nelson there to say, yes, that if, you're, if you're put in a position to really change the world, difficult things will happen. If you look at Jesus, Jesus was crucified. Look at Paul. Paul had uh, you know, the transition from Saul to Paul. There were many, many difficult instances. And so while it's frustrating for people like us who say we want to change the world, what we also have to understand is that it's not going to be easy and there are people that are just not going to have ideas that we immediately, instantly think, well, duh, you should do that. Well, I think what, what we need to do is just continuously wake up every day and continue to share our message and say, okay, I understand that it's your environment, but I'm going to show you a new environment. And I'm going to do that by being myself, by providing opportunities, but by also showing you the benefit of what you as an individual can do if, if you really stay on this path. And um, it's not always going to work, but sometimes it does work, and that those one or two people that you do change could end up sparking the revolution that you're actually hoping to achieve in the first place. Mm-hmm. Wow, awesome. And, and, and what, what came to mind is, you know, Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was 30 years old. And, you know, being, being a carpenter, and then all of a sudden at the age 30, you know, he was, you know, he, he really started, to, started, started preaching and started, you know, just be, becoming, the, becoming Jesus as we know today. Um, and I, I, think it's, I think it's crazy because um, a lot of times, you know, you, you know, it takes time for something to develop. As you said at first with, with Nelson Mandela, he, you know, at first he said, you know, this is probably the way to do things. Um, but then after a while, um, after looking at, you know, what's, what's, what's going to be the right way to approach a situation and the way to actually promote change and, you know, and as you mentioned, you know, change, change the entire system, he started to, to, to re, refigure out, you know, his approach and, and his methods um, that would ultimately be, you know, successful and, and, and changing one person who could, who could spark, spark that fire for the, you know, for an entire nation, um, which, which I find, which I find really incredible. And I think a lot of times as, you know, as Christians and just as humans, um, we're able to, connect with with one person um but you have no idea h- how much that can you know not only benefit that one person but then benefit so many other people um that are connected with with that person or you know connecting with you know their mutual friends and you know extended network and network and then it can you know it can span across the globe and and with where we are today and you know the accessibility um through information you know technology and and just and, and just our global connectedness um you, you can touch someone you know m- you know thousands of miles away and, and you know instantaneously well yeah and, and let's, look, let's look at what was happening with Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela became the first black president um in South Africa in 1994. 1994 so I was five yeah so I was, mm-hmm. I was five years old and I remember all, all of us we were watching this and we were thinking oh my goodness all right all right all right all right um there's a possibility for us. I remember I spent the first nine years of my life in a military dictatorship. So mm-hmm. a lot of my environment was like, oh gosh, I guess it depends on where you're from before you have this opportunity. And that stuck for a lot of us Africans in general, where we thought, wow, there is a possibility of hope and for freedom. And, and for, you know, so, you know, 1999, when I was watching us transition to democratic government, you had some of these ideas in your head. and. If he didn't do what he was doing, I wouldn't have even thought that it was a possibility. You know, I would have continued to be the cynical kid who like, well, it doesn't matter. It's military dictatorship. It's not fair for anyone. And I, I just remember watching and listening and reading his books and stuff and thinking, okay, I want to do the same thing. 
I know it's possible. I've just seen him do it, and uh, I don't think it's going to be easy. And mm. I don't know that I'm the right person for that, but I know that it's possible, and hopefully, I hope I can be that guy one day. But mm-hmm. that was something that laid an imprint in me because I saw him do it, mm-hmm. and, and I thought, okay, wow, it's just possible. I've lived in this environment where I didn't think it was possible. I just saw one person do it, so I know it is. And that, and that's that's the importance of continuing to stay focused on your dream because you never know who's watching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know, as as Nelson is you know your role model, mentor, um, just you know this figure that you look up to. I, I'm sure that you you know in, in your day to day life right now, you try and use some of the practices, uh, or even the, you know the mindset and some characteristics that that he used um, into you know when you're working with with you know the World Bank, the UN, um, or even just folks individually through through a podcast. Um, what kind of things have you been focusing on um, in, you know, in motivating and, and, you know, embracing, empowering and just, you know, creating change? Um, and then what kind of things have, have you, have you learned along the way um, that, that, you know, that you, you might not have thought that, that Nelson had focused on, but, you know, something that you've, you've developed yourself? Um, it, it's, it's from uh, what I became obsessed with after Getting exposed to Nelson Dev was, was Oprah Winfrey's ability to, to tell stories. And I've, what I've learned that I didn't know before was that everybody wants to, to know that they matter in the world. You know, yeah. a lot of times mm-hmm. when I do interviews, or when I go speak, there is people will come and ask me, hey, was that, was that, did, was that good? Was that good? Did, did I do well? Did, did you get everything you needed? You know, did I say what I wanted to say? And it just allowed me to know that people are looking for a way to, to express themselves, and many times they don't get the opportunity to do so. You know, if it's in the workplace, they don't get the opportunity to be the, themselves fully. They feel like they have to hide part of themselves because they've been perceived as, as such. Or if, if it's um, the youth, when I go speak to them, they don't feel like they have the right to pursue the dreams because their parents said no or because their friends laugh for them or because there might not be any money in there or because they're afraid of failure. But the whole thing that I learned is people want to know that they exist and they matter and that they can do something good in the world. The, the, the disconnect is sometimes they don't they don't uh, either believe in themselves or they've been convinced that society will not accept them and so because society will not accept them they would rather not go through a period where society says something bad about them and they would rather do what society expects of them mm-hmm. and I don't think that there's one or there are one or two paths to success I feel, I feel like there are multiple paths to success and I feel like the more we embrace the individuality of who we are, that's actually how we can we can um, spread more um, joy in the world because more people can see themselves and locate themselves in several stories. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I guess what I've learned is more people secretly have a desire to do different things than they do than they actually do, and not everyone feels like they should do it because they feel like um, they're betraying, uh, you know, whether the parents that got them there or some idea of success the society has implanted in them, which is false. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, question: Have you ever thought of you know? I, I think in the United States, um, you know, working with with people who come from different backgrounds, different experiences, different cultures, um, you know, we're we're able in, in this country to to have the opportunity to have these conversations. Have you thought about going going overseas to you know? Maybe it's back to Nigeria. Maybe it's um, you know somewhere else that is under you know com- complete ter- turmoil and, and uh, oppression right now, and and trying to find a way to connect with some of these people? Yeah, I mean, I, I do try, I do try. I mean, I, I'm... Oh, wow. Still my, <laughs> okay. You know, I mean, the passport I have is, um, I'm just, I'm Nigerian citizen. I always say I live here longer, but I, you know, 
Uh, but I, I, you know, I'm Nigerian. But yeah, a lot of a lot of what I do. I mean, right now, obviously, a lot of the opportunities have come from here. But you know, yeah, whenever I can, um, I like to commu- communicate with communities uh, that I know right, who can benefit from the message. Uh, it, can, mm-hmm. it could be back home. It could be it could be communities that are foreign here. But the thing that I love about having a podcast and having a digital platform, it, it's that. If you look at our world today and compare it to the 20th century, what we have now is a digital digitalization of the world, and globalization has made the world closer. So at any moment, you're able to connect with people from different parts of the world mm-hmm. and with just broadcast and one message. Uh, for example, my podcast is in 150 countries. That's access that I, I never would have had in the 20th century. Wow. And so if I'm not there physically, I like to be there uh, virtually as much as possible. And mm-hmm. Uh, just by mere fact of the audience being global, I, I, I you know, I've even done, I just did a virtual uh, talk the other day to um, uh, a bunch of people in Israel, just because, um, yeah, I felt like they, they, you know, it was a good opportunity and they, mm-hmm. they would benefit from the message. And that was me being in New York talking to uh, the bunch of people in Israel, and we, we've now stayed in contact. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I try to be in as many environments as I can. Awesome, awesome. Um, you know, last few questions I want to know. Um, you you mentioned these different challenges when you were when you were uh, you know I, I guess a few years back um, you know these that uh, near uh, near de- near death experience um, getting denied from jobs you know also you know your father being shot um, but you know I think especially in the work that that you're doing right now and this is becoming um, you know passion and just a you know hopefully you know a long term um, long term endeavor. Um, I'm sure there's challenges that come up in, you know, in your day to day today. Um, and you know, for a lot of people who are, are listening to your message and they're, you know, and they're, and they're struggling, you know, they understand what you're saying and they, and they agree. Um, but they continue to have, to have these challenges. How do you deal with these challenges and, and, and what do you instill on people who are, who are, who are facing these, these roadblocks? Um, the way that I deal with challenges is. As particularly ever since I had that near death experience, I, I yeah. broke out of a prison I put in myself. You know, my, my thought was there. I tried it over 85 times. What was the point, right? You know, it wasn't just my thing. But when you face a near death experience, you become you and you come face to face with your mortality. You quickly realize how how life can go instantly, and your sense of urgency is heightened. So whenever mm-hmm. I come across. Um, People, I like to I like to share all my personal feelings. I'm not the one that hides all the failures. I've I've failed several times, so I always tell them, I'm still standing right here, and I'm not any better than you. In fact, I some of you, some people I'm talking to, they've had they're Harvard grads or they've gone all these achieved everything in society. Mm-hmm. Say it's great. So I'm saying you've done all that, and I've consistently failed in everything, and I've got rejected such of that. But the fact that I'm still here, it, it is is should be. Um, in, in the, and indicated to you that you can still persevere. That mm-hmm. what you need to do though is to jump. I think a lot. I always tell them if you're ever going to to make um, an impact, you have to be able to go through several hard times. Mm-hmm. And the, and if you're jumping, it's not where you're in a monkey bar and you have one arm, you know, in in front and one arm backwards, thinking that you can tiptoe on. You know, one side to see if, if it's a little hot there, then you go back to the other monkey bar. You actually have to let both hands fly, and then hope that you really make to make it to the next monkey bar that you're trying to get there. And in that process, you're gonna get hit. You fall down. Rocks will be thrown at you. 
But mm-hmm. those lessons that come from those things would be what would ultimately build you in, into into the leader you can be. And whenever I'm talking to people, I tell them, expect failure. Expect that to happen. But it's not about failure uh, being proof that you can't do it. It's more failure telling you that it's not time now and you need to work in this. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I use my story as as as, uh, as 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 an indicator for them to show that it's not a linear path. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something you can just go to school for and graduate and all of a sudden you're a master of this. You have mm-hmm. to actually experience life if you want to make an impact on other people's lives. Because uh, some of the people that do need um, a change in mindset and a change in, 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 in their way of thinking are not gonna be able to respect you if they think you've had it just one way. And if they, if, if you if you have been able to say, I, I've done that, I've done that, and I relate to you in that area, mm-hmm. you become instantly um, um, more transformative. And so I always ask them, how important is your goal? That you want to achieve is it something that you feel like it's, it's something you want to dive whether that well dive for is a little dramatic but something that you really want to 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 go down swinging for is this what you yep. want to be remembered is this what you want your legacy to be or is this something that you feel like it's nice to say because people um you know people think it's, it's a cool thing to say i'm a change maker and i've done that mm-hmm. and i have them ask that themselves that question and sometimes some people have said you know what you're right i just like the idea of being recognized as a change maker but i don't think i i want to do that and sometimes some people have said you know what, you're right. I've just been listening to too many, too many of my friends and I've been afraid of failure and I can't let that be. So, mm-hmm. tell people, don't be afraid of failure. Be afraid of not achieving your full potential. That's bigger, that's that's the worst disaster. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. You know, I, I think if, you know, if, if, I were, if I were to die today, you know, what would I wish I wish that I could have done or, or wish that I could have at least tried to do um, exactly. And I think that's that's something that motivates me you know, every single day when I wake up. Um, and you know, I think it's it's hard to always have that that image in your in your in your head. You know, when you're waking up and you're you know you're making breakfast and you're like, all right, well, I you know I'm I'm completely fine right now. Um, but at least kind of trying to have that that kind of almost you know this this fear that that helps motivate you. I think you know having a little bit of fear and a, a little bit of pressure um, is a good thing. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, and it's you know, I really hope not everybody goes through the experience like me. But the, no, yeah, but the question that you ask yourself is, if you die, would you be and would yeah. you be would you be happy with you? That's the same. That's the only question that came to mind when I was twenty two years old and I was facing my my yeah. experience. And the fact that that came up to me is something that a lot of people go. I'm sure it happens to a lot of people. They yeah. just don't ask themselves that question. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so you know. Uh, part of this podcast is, is is talking to people, you know, about their faith journey, and you know, after talking to you know, fifteen twenty folks, um, you know, I've seen I've seen a lot of challenges, um, you know, a lot of challenges, and then also a, you know, a lot of great times looking at their experience with the church, um, their you know, their upbringings, and how that has impacted them and where they are today. Um, and especially, you know, if you if you look at this, these statistics, there are an incredible incredible amount of people. You know, seventy eight percent seventy eight percent of Americans who who were part of you know Christian you know a, a Christian denomination or were involved in in Christianity, um, and seventy eight percent of these folks um, have stopped attending. You know, for a variety of a variety of reasons. Um, but you know, I, I I think that there's so many other ways to to be involved in your faith and, and just to, to live as a disciple of Christ. 
and to, just to completely show you know what he's put on you. Um, and I want to know a bit more about yourself. I, I, I know you know we've talked before um, about some challenges that you've had um, back at back at back at school, back at, um, and in an undergrad, and, and just kind of the the different beliefs and tenets that um, maybe weren't being forced on you, but were being um, but were you know in your in your peripheral and, and were definitely influencing the way that uh, a lot of people were thinking. Um, can you can you walk me through you know your upbringing is in faith and. And kind of where, where you are today, and, and and what you really believe is is important to uh, to know for um, in general. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I grew up in a Christian family. Uh, my my dad uh, and mom, you know, they they're both I guess they're both raised Christians. So mm-hmm. I went to so you know you, you go to church. Uh, I went to a uh, boarding school in Nigeria, which is Christian. I went to the largest Christian university here, Liberty University mm-hmm. uh, in America. So. Um, a lot of my, my ideas initially was that was just what I was born into, but as I started to grow older, uh, especially going to, to universities like Liberty University, and that you know, I, I I always credit any. I'm sure a part of my growth was definitely formed there. Mm-hmm. I, what I didn't like uh, is is, uh, is always the idea of uh, if someone tells you that uh, you you know you have to be this way and that. If you're if you're converting others, it's because they're bad, right? So a lot of um, a lot of Christian ideas have, have been focused more on the on the institution as opposed to what the, the message of God is. I think a lot of Christianity has forgotten about how Jesus Himself in, interacted with people that were the taxpayers and the people that weren't generally associated with the church. And mm-hmm. a lot of what I see right now with Christianity is we're ostracizing people that are not thinking like us mm-hmm. and I, I became really really frustrated with that growing up um i became really frustrated with how christians are portrayed in the media where it's it's often only one way and the good joke of the of the thing and i think that cheapens the idea of what the ministry is and so as i started to really come into what it was that i loved doing which is connecting people with people across cultures mm-hmm. Invariably, there are people that have many different beliefs that I would come across. Uh, people that are different orientations and stuff like that. And what I had to really, really reconcile with myself was: Am I being hypocritical by by saying, by already prejudging them <laughs> before working with them, or do I need to actually learn their story and really let them know that, hey, I'm I'm a Christian. This is how I feel, and I want to give you a chance to really, really express yourself. And and so yeah, I, I started to change my ideas on what I thought Christianity should be. And I think my idea of ministry is going into places where, uh, unfortunately, a lot of Christians have chosen not to go to. Mm-hmm. I speak to those uncomfortable environments and having conversations with them and saying, "Hey, look, it's it's cool to share your ideas with me. I'm a, I'm a Christian. We disagree, we disagree on such and such, but we agree on the idea of advancing humanity, and we can have that conversation. And um, and so my idea of ministry has been more on getting more people to see uh, see that not all Christians are, are judgmental, which is not even true, but mm-hmm. also, also allowing them to be fully themselves with me so that we can share ideas and we can we can grow. And honestly, I think as, as we, uh, you and what you do with this podcast and what everybody is listening is that people can listen and say, it's okay to be a Christian and, and to have several thoughts, to question several things and to wonder about different things. And it's not okay to just be a Christian and think that, um, well, because uh, my school said so, I'm only going to do that. Or because, 
you believe in something, you're going to go to you're going to, you're going to go to hell. I'm not going to talk to you. Mm-hmm. I just think that that just you know I, that's the way I when, when I grew up it was initially just like that. They're going to hell. They're going to die. Blah blah blah. Yep. And when when I came here and I started to think about things and look at the last years, I I thought that's such a horrible way to think because well, first of all, we're not even being reflective of, of who we're supposed to follow, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and that's just in, invariably thinking that we should give up on people <laughs> just by saying if you believe that you know we're not even going to associate with you so yeah i mean I, i've become more open-minded and I, I make it a point to go into environments where people don't actually believe anything i believe uh, yeah. just because I, many times sometimes it's not been the easiest other times if people have said you know you, you're all right i thought that you coming here would be some weird awkward experience because my only interaction with other christians has been such and such but we actually were able to coexist and didn't even have to turn into something acrimonious and um by doing that they they get to see hear my testimony but they also get to understand that wow okay that's that's how a christian should be mm-hmm. and I, i'm not saying this i'm a perfect christian i want people to listen because i'm very flawed and i made many mistakes <laughs> and i still make many mistakes today but i i think by going into unfamiliar environments that's the only way we can actually be the salt and light of the earth. There's nothing beneficial if we hang around people that already think like us. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we need to be comfortable being uncomfortable, and uh, that's that's what I, I believe Christianity should be: to go into those unfamiliar environments. So awesome! No, that, that that was very well articulated, and I, you know, I, as you're saying this, I'm just nodding my head and smiling. I say, "Yep, this is exactly what I think too." And you know, going, I I studied abroad in Morocco, and and I lived with a host family um, that was that you know that was. Um, uh, that practice Islam, um, and, and you know, 99% of the country um, is Muslim, and I actually, you know, I felt coming out of that, I actually strengthened, you know, my, my beliefs in Christianity and just who I was, and you know, I because I, I was, you know, living in that house, and I wasn't, I, you know, by no means rejecting what they were saying, and you know, because I, and I, you know, um, my host brother is, is one of my best friends today, and just you know, having this conversation with him, not. Uh, not even about about Christianity or you know or Islam, but just having a conversation about things that we can both talk about. Um, you know, it just connects human to human, and I think when you start to create these these fixed um, these fixed lines and these fixed almost categories, like well, you know, if you do this, then you're going to go to hell or something. Then it yeah, it's almost like you're you're just blocking people out, and that that's not what what Jesus was about and what you know what he preached and. You see, I, by no means my Bible scholar, but you know, you see over and over again in, in the Bible, there's there's different people and you know with completely different different situations, um, and not only you know the way that they interact with other with uh, with um, with others, but the, you know the way that they that they um, express their ministry looks completely different. Um, and I think when we start to you know tr- try and create this one one way or you know. Uh, just this one way of doing it, it's it's just not beneficial for, for anyone. So yeah. um, I appreciate that context. No, no, you're right. I, I also don't, I think it's a it's not an effective way to do ministry if you train people to think only one way. Because yep. how are you going to reach the masses? Mm-hmm. Because someone someone that can go into an environment that you know I wouldn't be able to go to, but if you're telling them to think it's only your way, how are they going to use their gifts and and their influence that they can make? You know, by, by going to that environment, if you, if you told them that, oh, well, it's only asked me one way. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. No, awesome. I agree with you.
Awesome. Um, just to you know, to, to wrap out, uh, um, uh, to wrap us up, can you just let me know where where anyone uh, can find you, um, and then and then also if there's you know any parting parting thoughts you had. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm at tyroxin.com. Uh, uh, anything tyroxin, uh, if you search, um, I should show up. We, that's, that's we'll find you. Huh? No, sorry. Yeah, uh, tyroxin.com, and then you know just if you, if you search tile, uh, we can find you. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's Tyroxin. It's at Tyroxin, Instagram, Facebook, all that, Twitter. Um, and, you know, and just any, you know, parting words. Um, you know, I think Oprah once said, I've come to believe that it, um, each one of us has a calling that's as unique as a fingerprint. And that um, what we need to do is is, is work hard on, on what our calling is. Stay consistent and allow the universe to lead us. And then the universe, in our case, is God. But or you know wherever you believe in and how that allow that to lead you to to that path and the reason i'm saying this is that there, there's an element of faith in everything that you believe in you know you, if you believe in god that's faith right you, mm-hmm. you believe in a lot of things that you, you you're not um maybe you're not able to see initially but you should apply that to your dreams as well and also couple that with hard work and, and challenging yourself and staying consistent because if you do that ultimately you're going to feel more fulfilled. You know, the, the idea of achievement without fulfillment, that's 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 an ultimate failure because you're not actually making an impact. Yes, you might be getting all those accolades and people think you're successful, but deep down, if you're not touching anyone's lives or making someone's lives better, what is it for? So I just, I just want to challenge you listeners to, to look deep within themselves, identify what it is that they give to that, and see if they're actually applying that in their everyday life today. Excellent, excellent. Thanks so much. Um, last thing, would you mind closing us out in prayer? Absolutely. Uh, Perfect. So, all right, here we go. <laughs> um, Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing uh, Tyler into my life. Thank you for providing him with this vehicle where he can um, change a lot of the way we, we look at Christianity today and also inspire a lot of us men. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to talk on the podcast. I, I pray that you continue to use him as, as, as a vessel for success. I pray that you continue to use him as a beacon of hope. And I pray that listeners listening to this podcast are able to to reconnect with what it is that you put them on earth to do. And, and um, um, you know, my then Lord is, I'm saying we all can use our differences to make a difference. So um, I, I pray that as uh, Tyler continues in this journey, he's able to, to build a tribe that does just that. And he's able to do that as well. So thank you, Lord, for everything you've done. Um, and um, I, I, I just want to um, continue to ask that you strengthen us and help us continue to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Uh, thanks so much. It was a pleasure having you on today. And I'm sure we'll be in touch soon. Likewise, thank you for having me. It's been a beauty honor. Thank you all for joining today. I had a great time with Tayo. Um, I love chatting with him and hearing a different take on on his walk in in christianity and and you know how he's using his gift gifts and his difference to make a difference as he mentioned um tyleroxon.com um pretty much search his name and i'm sure you will find him um he is also the the host of as told my as told by nomads so feel free to give him a listen give him a review and subscribe to his podcast 
thank you all for joining. If you have any questions for me or for Tayo, um, please reach out and we will get back to you. Thanks.